Luke chapter 8, verses 40 to 56. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And Jesus was on his way. The crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for, for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that the power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. And then Jesus told him to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Well, let's pray before we get into God's word. Father God, we pray that you would guide us through your word this morning, that we would hear your spirit speaking into our hearts and minds, that we would hear from you this morning, that our hearts would be convicted, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A uh, father and son were driving along a quiet country road on a wonderful time of year, not dissimilar to what we're experiencing at the moment. It was sunny, it was a wonderful spring, the grass was green, it looked wonderful. And as they travelled down this road, from out of nowhere, a bumblebee, a bee, flew in the car window. Now, a bug flying in the window at any time is an unwelcomed intrusion, but in this case, it was very serious because this man had his young son in the back seat who was extremely allergic. In fact, he could die from a bee sting. And so he was absolutely distraught. This, this kid was petrified as he watched the bee flying around inside the cabin of the car. But while this young child was panicking, the father reached over, grabbed the bee in his hand, held it for a second, and then let it go. 
For a moment, the child was calm and, and mellowed out, but as soon as the bee started buzzing around again, he began to panic all over again. Seeing his son's terror, the father once again held out his hand. Only this time it wasn't to catch the bee, this time it was to show his son. As he held out his hand, he opened it up and said, look, the sting, you see, you don't have to be afraid anymore. I have taken the sting for you. Modern medicine's able to do amazing things these days, isn't it? In the last 100 years, the amount of advances in the medical profession is incredible, let alone even the last 10 years. People are generally living longer, healthier lives than ever before. But no matter how fast or how wonderful our medical knowledge is, it will never be able to stop our bodies from growing old and eventually dying, eventually wearing out. Even though we may try to comfort ourselves by telling ourselves that Death is something that is natural and normal. God's word disagrees quite directly with that. God's word explains that sickness and death are a direct cause of the fall. When sin and rebellion entered God's good creation, when it separated us from our creator, ever since then, our greatest problem has been separation from God. And it's a problem that none of us in our own strength are able to deal with. Our secular world tries to deal with this thing by, well, the only ways they know how, by making themselves so busy chasing after things that are going to fade away or by filling their bodies with substances that allow them to hide away from it for just a moment. But those with faith in Christ Jesus are different. Despite the fact that we face the same reality, we experience the same sickness and death, we lose loved ones and we grow old ourselves. But those with faith in Christ Jesus have no need to fear death because God our Father has sent his Son, Jesus, to take the sting of sin and death on our behalf. The one with all authority in heaven and earth has defeated the parents of sin and death for us so that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we no longer need to fear the penalty for our sin and our shame. We no longer need to fear death or separation from God because Christ has paid it all when he willingly took the judgment that we deserve on himself at the cross. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at this bigger section in the book, in the chapter, chapter 8 of Luke, a chapter that shows us how Jesus has all power and authority in the heavenly realm, that he has authority over his creation, as he spoke and the storm stood still. We've seen that he has all authority over the spiritual realm, as his very presence made the demons tremble 
and has his words made them flee. And in this morning's passage, we'll be seeing that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth over sickness and death. Now, as this passage begins, Jesus is now back on the Galilean side of the lake. He is back in Jewish territory. On the other side of the lake, back in, over in Gentile territory, he had been met by a demon-possessed man and then driven away by the locals who were terrified of him. But here, back on the Jewish side of the lake, he was met by an expectant crowd and a man named Jairus. Now, Jairus was a ruler of the local synagogue. He was a very important man. He would have been well-respected within his community. He would have been one of those who led the prayers, who read scripture. He would have been very well-respected. He would have been known amongst all the people but as he approached Jesus, it wasn't with pride and importance that he came before Jesus, but instead he fell at Jesus' feet and came humbly and began pleading at Jesus' feet for him to come to his house. Jairus was absolutely distraught because his 12-year-old daughter was dying. The child that he had loved and cared for, the child that he'd watched grow, was now dying in front of his eyes and there was nothing that he was able to do about it. And so in his moment of anguish, all his pride, all his usual respect that he would normally have received meant nothing to him as he humbly came before Jesus and pleaded for the life of his daughter. And so in response to Jairus' request, Jesus went along with him to his house. But as they made their way there, the crowd began to gather in and they got tighter and tighter until they crushed around Jesus. It says almost as if they were going to crush him, they were that tightly, densely packed in. And a woman who had been suffering from bleeding for 12 long years took advantage of this moment. She anonymously tried to work her way through the crowd. You can imagine how hard that would have been with all of these people densely packed in. She must have pushed and shoved and worked her way in there until she could finally get just the edge, the very outer edge of Jesus' cloak. Jairus had spent 12 years enjoying watching his wonderful daughter grow up. Years of blessing for Jairus. Meanwhile, over this very same time, this 12-year period, this same woman had been suffering this incredibly debilitating condition. But God was using both of these situations for his glory and for their good. The woman's condition meant that she would have been considered ritually unclean by all of the people in her community. She wouldn't have been allowed to go into the temple and into the temple courts and anyone who touched her would have also been considered unclean. On top of the suffering that she was facing from the actual condition, she would have been considered an outcast. The Gospel of Mark tells us that 
She believed that if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And so she made her way under the cover of this densely packed in crowd, risking public shame against anyone who realised that it was her. And she reached out her hand in faith, touching the very edge of Jesus' cloak. And as soon as she touched his cloak, her bleeding instantly stopped. But just as she may have thought that she was going to be able to sneak back through this incredibly dense crowd and get away without anybody noticing, Jesus called out, Who touched me? It's a ridiculous question, isn't it? Peter's response shows us how ridiculous that question is from a human perspective. Peter said in his normal sort of speak first, think later style, Master, the people are crowding and pressing around you. There would have been heaps of people touching Jesus. This lady had touched Jesus. She had approached Jesus in faith. So Jesus knew that healing power had gone out from him. And the healed woman, realising that she wasn't going to be able to sneak away without anybody noticing, slowly crept forward and fell at Jesus' feet. And it says she was trembling. She was terrified. She would have thought that she was about to be rebuked for making Jesus unclean by touching his cloak. She probably feared those in the crowd who recognised who she was and who may have been really upset with her for shoving her way through them and making them unclean. But she also seems to know who Jesus is, trusting his authority to heal and to save. And so after she had explained why she had touched his cloak, she also explained that she had instantly being healed. And Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Notice Jesus called her daughter, a sense of a word that gives it an, an expression of care. It's an affectionate expression, one that was probably designed to calm her down as she trembled at Jesus' feet. And Jesus is saying that her faith, her trust in the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth to heal and to save, delivered her from her illness, from her, from her bleeding. Now, we don't know what the woman said next or if the people in the crowd were a bit miffed that this previously unclean woman had made her way through the crowd because at that moment, while Jesus was still speaking, a messenger made his way to Jairus. Now Jairus had probably been standing there, probably tapping his foot, really impatiently desperate for Jesus to get to his very ill daughter. Can't, it's reasonable to think that he may have been frustrated. Why is Jesus worrying about this woman right now? My daughter is dying. As this message, messenger arrives, well, the news is not good. He's greeted with the tragic news that his daughter is now dead and that he shouldn't bother the teacher anymore. But despite this tragic news, 
Jesus says to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. Now this messenger recognised that there's a very big difference between being really, really sick and being dead. The messenger believed there was a good chance that Jesus could do something about a sick woman, but someone who is dead, well, that's another issue. He thought all hope was lost. But Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. And when they arrived at Jairus's house, there were people who were wailing and mourning, grieving outside. And Jesus told them to stop wailing. She is not dead, but asleep. Now, obviously, Jesus wasn't denying the fact that she was physically dead. But he was explaining that her death was not going to be a permanent situation. It was as if she was just asleep with Jesus about to heal her. However, the mourners, well, they didn't understand what he was saying and they laughed and they scoffed at him. And Jesus entered Jairus's house, but he entered only with Peter, John and James and the daughter's parents. He would not let anyone else go in. And he took the girl by the hand and spoke these words. My child, get up. And her spirit returns, we're told. She stood up and a little while later they gave her something to eat, a sign that she was raised from the dead. Jairus and his, ma- his wife were amazed. It's the understatement of the century, isn't it? You can imagine how amazed they would have been. But unlike the demon-possessed man that Jesus had told to go back to his people and tell everyone what God had done for him, Jesus ordered Jairus and his wife not to tell anyone what had happened. But nevertheless... The Gospel of Mark tells us that the news of what Jesus had done spread throughout the whole region anyway. Well, in this morning's passage, Jesus performs two miraculous healings, one from an incurable condition and the other from the dead. Just as the storm had seemed insurmountably powerful as the disciples were being swamped by water as the boat was filling up with water, These fishermen were terrified because the storm seemed too great to be able to deal with. And just as no one was able to bind the demon-possessed man, not even with chains, this woman and this girl were delivered from situations that were totally outside of human control. By the power and authority of Jesus, they were delivered. As a congregation, there is rarely a week when we don't pray for someone in one of our families or somebody in our church family who are facing some sort of medical condition or suffering with some sort of sickness or illness. We may not not name them specifically. We may not explain the full extent of how well they're doing or what's actually happening for their own privacy. But sickness and death are things that none of us are able to avoid. 
They are effects of the fall that no one in this life will escape from. When Jesus performed these miracles, he was displaying his power and authority to heal and to save. And he was giving us a glimpse of his kingdom, a glimpse of the time when there will be no more weeping and mourning, a time when God will make all things new. This morning's passage is showing us what it looks like to have faith in the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth to heal and to save. And the importance of encouraging each other as we wrestle with the brokenness of this life. Because we all know there is a lot of brokenness in this life. When Jairus was met with this messenger from his house telling him to give up, he must have been tempted to believe the message that he heard. But Jesus encouraged him to hold on to his faith. He encouraged him to keep trusting in the one who has the authority and the power to heal and to save. Hebrews 1 tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Over the last few weeks, the Gospel of Luke has been showing us that no matter what we are facing in this life, Jesus is the one to run to in faith. Even though we can't always see what Jesus is doing in our lives and in the lives of those we love or in the world around us, he is in control. No matter what chaos we are facing in this life, Jesus has all authority and power over it. He has the power and authority to calm any storm, to set captives free and to heal and to save. No matter what it is that is causing you pain, anxiety or grief this morning, Jesus is the place to run to. He is the one to find refuge in. He is the one with the power and authority to heal and to save. Now the Bible doesn't promise that everyone who prays for healing in this life will be saved. I have lost loved ones who knew the Lord to sickness and death and I'm sure that many of you have lost loved ones who knew the Lord to sickness and death. As Peter, the, uh, Peter uh, uh, proclaimed on the day of Pentecost, quoting from Psalm 16, he said, The Lord will not abandon me to the grave, nor will he let your Holy One see decay. It's precisely because Jesus defeated the power of sin and death for us when he rose from the grave it's precisely because of what Christ has done for us that death has lost its sting. Because those with faith in Jesus will not be abandoned to the grave. And we won't merely be raised from the dead so that we can die again in our old age, just as this young child was raised from the dead, only to die again. The life that Christ gives, the hope that Christ provides, is life forever. And so this morning, 
as we worship the one with all authority in heaven and on earth. May we, like the woman and like Jairus, hold on to our faith in him, even though we all know that there will be times of testing. May we trust the one who has defeated the power of sin and death for us, knowing whether or not he heals us or our loved ones in this life, he is working for the eternally good of those who trust him so that we might have life forever in him. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you and we praise you for life in you. But we pray that you would uh, strengthen our faith in you as we receive so many messengers like Jairus who want to tell us to stop trusting in you, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak even louder. Lord, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust you beyond what we see. Lord, we pray that the hope that we have been given through Christ Jesus and through your Holy Spirit that you would guard it in each of us until the day of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.